are listening to Oshu and I am joined by a special guest. Her name is Biba Vowels. Um, by the way, literally the coolest name ever. So Biba, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell everyone a little bit about what you do, who you are. Tell us everything. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Biba. Um, I live in my tiny little house in California <laughs> um, with my dog, Bell, and I have a husband named Bo. Um, we're both originally from Kansas, but we moved here because he's in the Marines. So he's been here for like six years and I've been here for like almost four and a half and we love it so much. Um, Mm -hmm. when I moved out here, I very quickly started my business because when you go from Kansas to a place like California, you just like become obsessed with taking photos and going to the beach and watching all the sunsets over the ocean and I mean, we can literally see the ocean from our front door. So it's like, it's the best. We love living here so much. And it's obviously a very happy place to be. Right. (laughs) So yeah, I started my photography business shortly after I moved here. And um, I just got really into like the photography, um, photography community. And I love making new friends with it. And um, that kind of started out as like couples and weddings and stuff. And um, it's a ton of fun. And Bo, my husband is getting out of the Marines next year. So I'm kind of like transitioning, doing a little bit less weddings, just so I have time next year to, you know, we'll be moving, not only like moving places, but we've lived on base. So I feel like it's very different living off base in California and, mm-hmm. you know, we've never paid rent or anything. So just a lot of things that we're going to have to learn that I want to have more time for and, yeah, um, like more weekends available for, um, me and him, and then obviously him being out, we're going to want to travel more. So we're, I'm starting to shoot like with more brands and work in that sort of scene, which is so much fun. I'm so so stoked on it. So yeah, we're having, I mean, I'm having a ton of phone, Bo's still in the Marines, so he's still a normal job, (laughs) but we're super stoked for next year. And yeah, that was really fast, but that's kind of, oh yeah. Yeah. Where, what my business, how it came to be, what it is now. Yeah. So when you moved to where you live now, what, um, I guess like what sparked your interest in photography and then when did you go full-time? Cause I know not everyone yeah. just starts full-time right away. So what did that transition look like yeah. for you? Yeah. So, um, I was super young when I got married. I got married at 18. Um, so I was kind of, yeah, <laughs> I was kind of like a little like high school girl, you know, I just lived on Pinterest and Instagram, just like obsessing over like all of the like, um, military homecomings because Bo and I did distance for like two and a half years. So, okay. you know, when you're away from them, it's like, oh, I just want to like watch videos of like parents uh-huh. being reunited with their kids and stuff. So I would always look at pictures on Instagram and I followed this one, like, um, Instagram account. It was called like loving my hero or something cringy like that, but I followed it and I, um, started following photographers who shot military homecomings. 
um, and one and specifically her name's Kayla Esparza. I'm sure a ton of people know her, but Mm -hmm. she's one of the first photographers that I started to follow. And she had a YouTube channel where she talked about photography and talked about her life as a military wife and stuff. And I just loved following her. And I was like, she lives such a cool life. Like, and she's only a couple of years. It seemed like at that time she was just like a couple years ahead of me. Like she got married young. She went to college, but then stopped going to college, which same with me. I like went to college and got my associate's degree. And then mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to stop. <laughs> um, and obviously she was a photographer and lived like moved from Washington to California. So I was moving from Kansas to California. So she was just a really big inspiration. Okay. Um, and I feel like I know a ton about her because I just <laughs> love following her, but she went yeah. on this trip to Iceland, um, with Olivia Markle. And so then I started following Olivia from there. And one day I was working at Starbucks and I was like on my 10 minute break and Olivia posted on her Instagram. She's like, Hey, we're hosting a workshop where you can like come and learn about photographer or like photography, wedding photography specifically. This is what we're talking about. You know, all the things when you promote a workshop. And I was like, that sounds cool. Like I'm working at Starbucks. I'm not going to college. (laughs) Like, why don't I just do it? And so I texted Bo, my husband, he was like, oh yeah, for sure. Like do it. No big deal. And I was like, okay. So I for it and then went home and I was like, I should probably get a camera. So (laughs) I then like bought a camera from one of my friends from college and that's kind of how it started. So that was like in, I think that was like the winter time. So I think that was like January or February. Um, and then the workshop was in May. Okay. Um, so I had that whole time. I actually got like another job during that time because part of me was like, did I just waste like a couple grand? Like, what am I doing? Why did I do that? Yeah. So I got another job to like make up for all of that. So I was working at Starbucks and I was waitressing. And I absolutely hated waitressing, like the job that I was doing. I was like, this sucks. So right before the workshop, I was like, you know what? I've made back the money from my camera and the workshop. I don't need this job anymore. I'm just going to keep working at Starbucks. Um, And my goal before the workshop was to keep working at Starbucks for, I think it was like six months. And by six months, I wanted to like be able to go full time. Okay. And then I was at the workshop and towards the end of it, we did like one-on-ones with um, Olivia and Tessa, the girls who started the workshop. And they were talking to me and they're like, why are you doing, like, why do you work at Starbucks? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, everybody (laughs) needs a job. Like, what do you mean? Why do I work at Starbucks? And they're like, you live on base. You don't pay rent. You guys like get an allowance for groceries. Like your husband has a job. You like, if you went full-time with photography, then you could be a full-time photographer. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. So I went home and I quit my job. And, wow. Um, yeah. I had one wedding booked um, and then just a few random sessions and all of them were just like military people that I like posted in like our little like neighborhood Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a really small wedding. It wasn't, you know, something big, but it was huge to me. I, I mean, I charged, I don't know, like 300 bucks or something. I was so stoked. I was like, yeah. I make that in two weeks at Starbucks. Like I'm making that in one day. I was so excited. Um, so yeah, when I got home from the workshop, I made my website and I set up a ton of free shoots and I literally just spent like every free second that I had shooting and meeting new people and like setting up styled shoots and going, um, like reaching out to other photographers to second shoot. I just spent like all the time in the world, um, 
yeah, like making my business. And right. that was, oh, that was like three and a half years ago, I think. Okay. So yeah, wow. that's kind of like how I went full time from literally nothing. Right. What would you say is like the biggest thing that contributed to like you going full time and like your growth? Like what is like yeah. I, maybe like the biggest strategy or the thing that you've done? Yeah. Um, well, obviously like the best thing was having Bo who's like really supportive, not only like emotionally and like was always hyping me up, but he was like there financially, like he was, you know, he provided for us. So I didn't really have to worry that much about it. Um, mm. so that was a huge thing, but also the workshop and the community that I made from that workshop. Um, and then the opportunities that that brought me, like we have like a group chat on Instagram and that workshop was so long ago and we'll still like randomly texted it every yeah. now and again. And it's so, and like some of my absolute best friends came from that workshop. So that was so huge. Like just mm -hmm. having people to like bounce ideas off of. And, you know, one of them, one of the girls like lived in Hawaii and she came out to California, just shoot a wedding. And she was like, Hey, do you want a second shoot for me? And, you know, it's second shooter is like, you get paid like between like 30 and 50 bucks an hour. Like that's so much money to, yeah. especially like from working at Starbucks, I'm like, Oh, so I'm getting paid like 300 bucks to shoot this wedding but not have to edit anything. Like mm -hmm. that's so awesome. So right. all the connections like that. And honestly, a big thing is just um, like how motivated I was after the workshop, like talking okay. to Olivia and Tessa and just being so stoked on their life and like seeing how great their lives were because of how hard they worked to get there. It was really motivating for me. And I feel like I'm a type of person that like, when I put my mind to something, I don't really want to let it go unless mm -hmm. I like see it failing or something, but I don't really like failure. So yeah, I just <laughs> like tried as hard as I could to get to where I am. And yeah. yeah. So I would say for sure, the biggest thing is just the community that came from that workshop. And then the community that I like continued to build afterwards was right. the best thing. Yeah. I think community is extremely underrated. I, yeah. I know when I started photography, I really did not have any type of community or yeah. even like, I didn't even know like who to follow on Instagram, like simple stuff of like, yeah. you know, just like surrounding myself with other photographers who can encourage me and stuff. So yeah, that was a huge thing. And my, uh, first like exposure to community was the Don Charles education group because oh yeah I had used her presets for a while. And so just being a part of that community, I realized like, wow, like it's important to surround yourself by yeah. people who do kind of what you do. And, you know, you can yeah. ask each other questions and relate to each other. Yeah. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. That. And also like, I like living in Southern California, like there's so many photographers here and it, like, I feel like it's sometimes hard for people to be like, Oh, like, like the big thing of community over competition, but that is such a real thing. Like yeah. to be just having your mind, like, there's a million photographers, but there's a billion couples. Like right. you're, you're not going to run out of clients. Exactly. And, like you're going to get those clients a lot easier. If you have a community that not only refers you, but like you introduce each other to each other and like, they might refer you to their friend. Like everything. Right. there's just, yeah. Community yeah. Is top tier, the best thing. Yes, definitely. And I feel like with mindset too, like 
it's so much more positive and healthy to be in community rather than to view everyone as competition because if you're viewing everyone as competition, it's just this negativity and you feel like you always have to be on your toes. But if you actually have friends in the community, like that, it's awesome for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So, um, for this episode, I have a few things I want to cover with you because I just want to literally pick your brain about everything. But um, I want to start with talking about presets because you have some awesome presets that you offer. Um, and I also offer presets, but I want to talk about like making presets, I guess, because I don't know. It's just, it's hard. And yeah. um, it's a topic that um, I don't think I've ever heard people really talk about, at least yeah. not like in depth. Um, and it might be hard because this is like not a visual thing. Like we're talking about it and we can't like show on Lightroom what to do, but we will try our best. So, um, (laughs) my first question for you, um, I guess before we even talk about the specifics is like, why are presets important? Like just straight up, like why should we value them? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think presets are so amazing. I have always used presets. I've never um, like from the beginning, I never really sat down and was just like, okay, like, I don't know how to work Lightroom. So I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And I Mm -hmm. think if you have all the time in the world, and if you're a very technical person, that might be better for you. But for me, who is more creative than technical, I like to see like what other people use. And, um, like when I first started out, I'm trying to remember some of the first presets that I used. I think I used like (laughs) India Earl's first pack. I did too. Yeah. Like indie presets. or Yes. That's what I used to. It was like indie 01 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what I used at first. And I think I, you know, would see her work and then I'd put the presets on mine, which obviously when I first started, I was using like a a Canon rebel or something. So obviously I looked nothing like hers and I was shooting in the middle of the day, not a golden hour. So but I wanted to really figure out, I'm like, how does she get her photos to look like that with using mm-hmm. these presets? And I think that was the biggest thing that helped me learn Lightroom rather than starting from scratch was, you know, taking a preset that somebody else uses and not necessarily trying to copy them, but just like, how does she get those tones to work? Um, because I don't believe that any preset is one click. Like yeah. if it is, then you're not being creative. You're not finding your own style. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that like, and just buying different packs honestly helped me so much because I really learned like, oh, I like, you know, the green tones a little bit more than the red tones. And I like, you know, obviously I went through like a very golden phase where I'm like, I just want everything like orange and happy and bright yeah. and shiny. And um, <laughs> now I'm kind of like gearing into more of like the film vibe where I want like all the colors to be like as like not as colorful, but as like real as they are, mm-hmm. um, which is fun because now I have like my film camera that I like compared to my presets and, you know, seeing those, um, side by side. So I think presets are so valuable and, yeah. um, obviously I've spent way too much money on presets, right. but yeah. I, I mean, every photographer spends too much money on presets. It's at some so point. true. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think with presets, it's so important to get that base. Um, And like you're saying, comparing like what you like in some presets compared to others. If you don't have time to sit down and like 
actually learn technically what every single thing in Lightroom does. You can learn just by looking at other people's presets and kind of tweaking some things to see like how this specific setting affected the image and how it did it. Um, and it's a huge thing too, of like having like inspirations, like we said, like comparing your photos to others, not in like a negative way, but like finding inspiration. Like, um, I, for like six months, I was just completely obsessed with Peyton Byford. And I'm like, I love her photos. Like I mm -hmm. love them so much. Like, why do my photos not look like that? And then I eventually like made this like saved board on my Instagram where I saved like a bunch of her photos and I saved like my favorite photos of myself. And then anytime that I was like scrolling Instagram, I would save a photo that I really loved, um, to that board. And, um, it was so cohesive, like all of our different photos together. And I realized the one thing that I really loved about hers were the whites, like how they're mm -hmm. so white. And so like, you can see all the detail in the whites and they're actually white. They're not like blue. They're not orange. They're not right. red. They're not green. Like they're white. And I was like that, I was so obsessed with her work, but obviously her work's amazing. But I was like, I'm really just obsessed with her whites because they're so good. Yeah. And like, I would see that in other people's work. I would see that in some of my work. And I'm like, it's all about the time of the day that she's shooting and not necessarily the presets, but I thought that I just, and this was before she released presets. So I was like, how do I get my photos to be like that? And right. you know, it's not, it wasn't that it was the time of day, the pre like the the whites, not the presets. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, sense. no, it does make sense <laughs> because like, yeah, it's, it's good to sit down and look at photos and like, think about the edit and not necessarily like, wow, that couple is so good looking or, Oh, yeah. I really like the florals in that. Um, yeah. a lot of times people think that a preset is going to fix a poorly taken photo or like, yeah, 100%. you know, it's going to fix direct noon sunlight. Like yeah. there's a lot of things that go into a photo before it gets to the preset stage. Yeah. So, um, just remembering, like, even if you are a beginner or whatever, that your like planning process, the time you take the photo, you know, the couple posing and the outfits and the emotion composition, yeah. all of that is going to affect how a preset translates on your photos. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, because you can, you can go and buy 10 packs of yeah. presets, but, and like try it on the same exact photo. But if your photo yeah. still doesn't look the way you want it to, it's probably not a preset thing. It's probably a shooting yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When I released my first pack, I feel like the, a lot of the photos that I use to market them were obviously my photos, which most of them are like, fun couples running around on the beach at golden hour, which right. is like sunset in California. Like you cannot beat it and you don't get the same like golden hour in California that you do in like BFE Ohio, you know, like right. you don't like, and so people would message me after they bought the presets and they're like, I'm trying to get like this tone. And they'd like send me like three different photos. And I'm like, okay, well you live in Kentucky. Like you don't, you don't right. live on the beach. You, if you want to get those tones and those, colors and that whole vibe mm -hmm. drive down to Florida. Like, or right. like yeah. Yeah. So. Or just have an area that's all like brown and beige. Yeah. Um, I find that I really like desert photos because it's just all yeah. browns and neutrals and yeah. greens are really hard for me. So location yeah. is, yeah, it's a huge thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And just colors in general, like green specifically, like 
there's so many different kinds of greens like golf course greens are my least favorite but then yes. sometimes you go to like a really pretty like green mount like in Utah the greens there are insane but it's like you go to a golf course wedding and it's like these greens are not pretty <laughs> like, right yeah. yeah it's just completely yeah. different based on where you shoot for sure Um, so let's dive into some of the specifics of making presets, like feel free to get nitty gritty with it. Cause I probably will too. But, um, when you're making a preset, I guess just like walk us through briefly what that process looks like. I feel like a lot of people don't even like know where to start. So like, what are the things that you're tweaking? Yeah. Yeah. So I work with G presets who he is a very, he's so he's like the perfect balance of creative and technical which I absolutely love because for some reason my eyes don't do good like he can like tweak something and it'll like turn the whole photo like really pink and then he'll like tweak it a little bit and he's like okay how does that look and I'm like I my eyes are like shook right now because I can't I don't know what I'm looking at now right like see a huge difference so I would say from watching him make presets the biggest thing of like getting different tones and stuff that a lot of people sleep on or don't use is the color tone curve so yeah yeah like the tone curve module and everything on the colors like yeah nobody clicks on the colors and those two you have to like literally you will not get a preset look if you're not using the rgb it is rgb yeah the rgb curves yeah absolutely Yeah. So I for sure think that, and that takes, I mean, I don't feel like I am a pro at that at all, but I know like, you know, the different corners, like what each one do and like the shadows and the highlights and the blacks and the whites. And, you know, there's, so what I understand from it, like I said, I'm not like a pro because I work with Greg, who is for sure the pro, um, (laughs) but you always want to have like an S curve. um, Mm -hmm. And that is like the biggest thing just playing around with that will make you learn what you like and for me it takes a little bit because like I said my eyes just like can't handle that much because like I don't I think it confuses me so I'll like yeah tweak it a little bit and then I'll like wait a couple days and I'll come back and be like I don't like that part of it but I like this part it's a lot I think making a preset is not as much as what people think that it's just like oh yeah, you sit down and make a preset in one day. Like you can't do that. And if no, you do yeah. that, then you're going to look back in like five days and be like, those are trash. So right. I, yeah, he, like I said, he's amazing. Okay. Um, so yeah, the RGB tone curves are for sure. Probably one of the like more secret, not, it's not secret, but the least used, I feel like among mm-hmm. photographers. Yeah. Um, and then also down at the bottom, there's a calibration tab which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. I feel like that like changes so much with the temperature and the reds and the greens. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more subtle with each specific color um, or not subtle. It's easier to work with each specific color rather than going into like the HSL sliders. So those are like Mm -hmm. two of the things that I feel like a lot of people don't use that I Mm -hmm. think are really, really beneficial if you're trying to achieve a certain tone. Yeah, definitely. I think one other thing that has been so helpful for me to get a golden look in my photos is the split toning 
or yeah. as it's now called color grading. Yeah. Um, with the new update. Right. Yeah. I'm like, please just call it split toning. Yeah. Like I know what yeah. it is. So, yeah. um, I found that using split toning. So basically you're, you're adding a specific hue to the highlights, the shadows or the midtones of the image. And I found that that gives me that golden look that I'm going for, because if I just focus on raising the temperature, it's raising the warm tones in the entire image. And those like golden photos that I like, I feel like it's not the entire image is golden. It's just certain areas. So um, I would definitely encourage those who are listening to mess around with the color grading too. I feel like those are truly slept on because they're a little bit more complicated, but once you understand them, it's, it's huge. Yeah. And I tell so many people that like DM me and are like, I'm not getting those tones or, you know, I want that more golden tone. And like, I mess with the temperature. It's like, don't mess with the temperature. Like that turns the whole photo either blue or orange. Like if you do, I have an IGTV on my preset page where I'm like editing indoor photos, especially indoor photos, because, you know, you barely move the temperature slider when you're inside and it like completely turns it either blue or orange. So yeah, I, usually always keep, um, those like split toning usually in like the orange, yellow, pinkish areas. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I changed the, I think it's called blending now. Okay. I don't, I think it's called blending, but I'll like turn, or it used to be called balance. It's either balance or blending one of them, but, um, I, yeah, use that pretty much instead of the temperature slider, which yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's like so much better because it changes specific tones rather than the whole photo. Right. (laughs) Is that slider at the bottom of the color grading, like below the circles? Is it like a slider underneath? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you're shooting indoors, then this is just a random question, but what white balance are you using? Because like, I, I guess if you're shooting like on a specific white balance, it's going to be too warm. So yeah. Like- yeah. I feel like it usually depends if I'm in a room, um, with like not a lot of windows and stuff. Um, I usually will just, I'll like tweak it to how I like it. I try to make, um, what I see look, what it looks like on my camera. Yeah. Um, so if I'm in a room that has like consistent lighting, like if there's no windows, um, then I'll like tweak it down. I'm usually anywhere from like, 3000 to like 4,500, depending Kelvin, okay. um, mm-hmm. depending on like how orange the lights are just because each light bulb has different, um, basically Kelvin in it. Yeah. Um, but if it has, like, if it's a room that has, you know, windows and then I'm going to dark spots, I just throw it on auto just because it's easier. And I'd rather, you know, my camera figure it out and then I can figure it out later than in post rather than, right. you know, messing with my white balance so much, um, with my Kelvin, and, you know, possibly missing a moment. Um, but then if I'm in a room that has like huge windows, then I usually, I like using the cloud setting just because it's so simple. Uh, I shoot on a Mark four. So I don't know if every camera has the cloud, Yeah, Um, cloud, maybe shade. Um, yeah, yeah. I think cloudy is a pretty universal. Yeah. It's usually, well, my camera, it says that it's around 6,000 Kelvin. So that's usually about like where I like to keep it. And then when I'm outside and stuff, I usually always have it on 6,000, if not warmer. So I'll keep it on either cloud. And then if I think that it like looks a little too dull, then I'll bump it up to like 
I think the highest that I'll probably ever go is like 7,500. Okay. Gotcha. This is, it's so funny because I feel like I'm the opposite when I'm inside. I want to keep my white balance. Like literally it could be whatever, but I want to keep it consistent the entire time. So then when I go to edit, I just have to fix my white balance once and then it's the same for every photo, but it does vary photo to photo depending on if they're close to lights or closer to a window or whatever. So I feel like with white balance, it's literally just like pick a method and then you might have to fix it later in Lightroom. Yeah, for sure. And there's a feature in Lightroom that I didn't even know until Greg and I were making this last preset pack. And he was like, I don't know, because it was like a really weird photo. And he, he just like clicked auto white balance in Lightroom. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the heck is that? And he was like, you do this and your Lightroom like figures out where you want your, or where it thinks like the white balance is. And I, like, after I use that, I use that all the time now right. just to see like, what is like the neutral. Um, okay. So yeah, that's a really good um, thing that I like, to sure. use, especially like with indoor when it's like all over the place. And I'm yeah. like, what? So I just click auto. Okay. And sometimes it works. And then other times it's like, that looks heinous. So. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm hesitant to use the auto Lightroom things because the auto crop tool in Lightroom, literally like no offense, Lightroom, but it sucks. Like yeah. I'll click auto and it will straighten like completely sideways. And I'm like, yeah, it'll like completely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, where did you okay. like, why did you think that was okay? Yeah. But I'll yeah. definitely have to try that. Cause I don't think I've ever tried the auto white balance before. Yeah. It's nice, but then you still, I mean, I always still tweak it, but it's cool to like see, especially with the pinks and the greens, because I usually always stick anywhere from like three to like 18 is usually about the highest that I go with the green and pink slider. And then Mm -hmm. when I click auto, sometimes it'll bump it all the way up to like 38. And I'm like, oh, that looks so good. I wouldn't have ever took it up that much because I feel like when you get in your ways with Lightroom, it's really hard to move out of your ways unless you see other people doing something or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so within Lightroom, what are some things that you find yourself doing specifically, let's say like with colors, um, to get that look that you're going for? So whether that's an HSL or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So HSL, um, for sure. I usually bring down the orange luminance, um, okay. specifically on photos of myself because like, not duh. too far, but just enough to make you right. look a little bit more tan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that for sure. And with like couples too, I not always, but if I'm like, they look a little washed out or they look a little white, then I usually bring that down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a tool in the HSL sliders that Um, I have a reel on it that it's a little tiny button in the corner of the, in the top left corner of the HSL and you click it and you can like hover over any of part of your image and it like highlights what, what color that is. So once I figured that out, I use that all the time because it's so, it's hard to know. Yeah. It's so hard to, especially with like reds, oranges, and yellows, which I feel like during golden hour, a lot of it, like I'll be tweaking the orange and I'm like, why is this not like dimming the light at all? Or like bringing down that orange color. And it's like, oh, because it's actually yellow and the same with greens and blues. Like there's so many different little tiny colors within there that you don't realize. Um, so -hmm. that little tool I use all the time. Um, so yeah, that, and then same with split toning. I usually do that to adjust, um, like temperature and stuff instead of the white balance. Yeah, totally. 
Okay. I would say those mostly for my colors. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that's pretty much it for the colors. Yeah. For the hue sliders, I find myself specifically with greens for some reason I'm like so picky about greens um because greens are usually yellow fun fact in case you guys didn't know so I find myself dragging the green and the yellow hue sliders like to the left which would be towards yellow and orange to make the greens just like appear warmer um but if you're going like you were saying you go for like a more um filmy look it would probably be a little bit opposite because I feel like yeah. in film, the greens are a little bit more blue. Yeah, um, so sure. yeah, yeah, it just depends on what look you're going for, for the greens, but yeah, yeah that's just, just my little tidbit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where do you live? I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So it's like, okay. So yeah, a lot more greens there right. instead of mm-hmm. like in California, I really never have to mess with greens because everything is dead here because it never yeah. rains. So yeah. But when I do like going to Hawaii, oh my gosh, I'm always like, what are the greens? So hard. Like, and they're so like we were saying earlier, they're so unique. Like there's yes. so many different kinds of greens. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. a big one when there are greens. I'm always playing around with those. Definitely. And in Michigan, we have a lot of beaches, but there's a lot of like green beach grass. So I have a hard time trying to figure out how I want the beach grass to look because I still want it to look like grass, but also like it's a little bit dead. It's yeah. It's just a struggle. If you're from Michigan, you'd probably understand. But (laughs) yeah. So, um, I feel like there's a lot of people not a lot of people, but I hear every once in a while that, um, using presets can kind of be like a crutch or like it can keep you from learning how to edit. So at what point do you think that presets keep a photographer from learning? Um, and do you think like, it's okay for a beginner photographer to use presets? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier is it's definitely hold you back when you're using it to try to copy somebody instead of like finding inspiration from them. Um, if you know, I think that presets are great if you have the right mindset about it. If you're not Mm -hmm. like, I'm getting like Dawn Charles presets because I love her work and I want to shoot just like her. And it's like, why? Like, what's the point of being a creative if you're trying to be just like somebody else? Mm -hmm. Um, and same thing with like G presets. And I mean, he works, with so many different people, um, and makes presets with all these different people. And they're all so unique. And it's like, he's clearly such a creative person because he can work with all of these people, um, Mm -hmm. and get completely different looks. Um, so I think it, that's hard because I, uh, (laughs) because it's just, it's a hard balance of like, using them for good and then also using them because it's like the easy way out for me personally they helped me so much learn Mm -hmm. um like Lightroom because you know I would buy a couple different packs and I would see like how they're completely different and it's like okay what about these presets are different and I'm such a visual learner that that helped me um whereas some people can just log on to Lightroom and you know, just make a preset from scratch and they love it. So I feel like it all comes back to kind of your mindset about it. And, you know, if you're using somebody's photos as inspiration or somebody's work as inspiration, rather than just, I want to be like them and, you know, you're never going to be like somebody and you're never going to grow Yeah, unless you're uncomfortable and you're trying to 
you know, be your own person. Yeah. So yeah. You can't use, no, it does make sense. You can't use presets to, um, establish your style. You need to use the presets as a base. And then from there, figure out what your style is. I know yeah. with presets I've purchased in the past, I purchased them because I liked a specific aspect of them. So yeah. I really like the skin tones in this one versus this one. Um, so once I had that preset, it was figuring out how those skin tones were achieved. And then I was able to tweak the other things yeah. that I like to kind of make it my own. So yeah. yeah, I think when you're coming in with the mindset of I'm a creative, I'm using this preset to find my style and to yeah. make it my own style versus um, I'm using this preset to literally be this person and produce yeah. the same work as them. Um, yeah. 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 Def well, definitely a difference. Yeah. It's such a big thing too. Like when you're buying presets, it's like, really look at why are you buying these presets? Like, are you buying them? Because like you said, the skin tones, are you buying them because you love the greens? Are you buying them for this? Or are you buying them because their photos look good? Because there's so many photographers who sell presets who have amazing photos because mm -hmm. they shoot in insane places all the time. But it's yeah. like, your photos aren't going to look like that. If like me, for example, like if I bought presets from somebody who travels all over the world, like Iceland, you know, all of these places and Italy. And I got the presets. I'm like, why don't my photos look like this? I'm like, because I live in California and like, yeah. I don't, I don't travel a ton. I don't, you know, I'm not right. trying to get that travel look. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's a big thing with influencers too, is a lot of influencers sell presets and people will buy their presets. And it's like, why don't my photos look like that? And it's like, because you don't live on a beach in Hawaii. Like you, yeah. in like Florida beaches and Hawaii beaches, like I think looking at presets and like trying to see what specifically you love about them and what you want to learn from them rather mm -hmm. than I want to slap this on and it be a one click so that my photos can look like theirs because that's just unrealistic. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, back to editing a little bit. I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but um, <laughs> what is are like some things that you do to make your edits look consistent? Because that's something I've noticed from your work is just total consistency. Like I, we know what to expect with your style and it looks good and it looks consistent. So what do you do to achieve that? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I mean, my, I sell two different preset packs and they're so completely different. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a big thing that people were asking me, like, if I buy your new pack, is my work still going to look consistently? I'm like, as long as you're consistent, your work will look consistent. Um, so yeah, I use obviously like on my feed, um, most of my feed now is my new pack. Um, but if you go back a couple months, it was like half my old pack, half my new pack. Um, and I think the biggest thing with staying consistent is shooting at, you know, the same time of day in same similar situations. Mm -hmm. And also, like editing the same. So like I usually when I edit, I like to stick to one preset throughout a session. I don't like to, I always edit a session from beginning to end. I don't like skip around all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. and then I just slowly like tweak it as the light changes. So like, if you start shooting an hour before sunset, your photos 45 minutes into the session are going to look a lot different than five minutes into the session. Um, so I, yeah, just try to stick to one preset per session and yeah. throughout that. Um, and I've kind of always done that with my business, um, mm -hmm. or throughout my business and all of my photo shoots, I've usually always stuck to 
if not one preset, like one preset pack um, and not really varied from it because it can get so hard. um, Like you get so confused when you're using like 20 different preset packs throughout all your different sessions and weddings, which that just stresses me out. My Lightroom, I literally removed all of my presets except for my two packs from my Lightroom because I'm like, I, you know, you get bored and you're like, oh, I wonder what, you know, who's ever preset would look like on this photo. And then you click it and you're like, wait, that kind of looks good. And then you're editing and then you're like, does it look good or does it feel like me? Does it, you know, mm-hmm. so right. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is sticking to your, like your own preset that you love and you know that you love. And also you learn a lot more when you do like stick to, um, one preset. So like, you know, sometimes I'll have a, like one of my presets in my, from my pack one that I've kind of tweaked. Um, so I'll like save it as a new preset and then I'll use that and I'll tweak it a little bit more. And I learned more about not only Lightroom, but also what I love in photos, like with the greens and the yellows and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I would say, Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, yeah, that does help too because if you save a preset that's tweaked for maybe when you went to Hawaii and you, yeah. you tweaked it for the greens, um, if you yeah. ever go somewhere else that has greens again, maybe you don't shoot in greens that often, you can yeah. refer back to that preset that you made back then and yeah. t- maybe tweak it a little bit, but that'll help you get that consistent look within your greens because you're using your greens preset on all of your greens. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah that sure. makes makes total sense. Yeah. And there's, I mean, in my new preset pack that I have, Greg and I really tried to do that too, because we tested on like all different kinds of photos, like not only couples, but like harsh light and, you know, like photos of like this necklace and like out on the beach or something. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, we have different presets where it's like, okay, this preset works really good when it's like a really cloudy day. And this preset works really good when it's a really sunny day. So you know, figuring out, like, if you do buy a pack, like mine doesn't specifically say that's what it is, but I know right. in my head, just because some people would be like, this works terribly, but it's like, you know, um, yeah. so figuring out, like, if you do buy a pack of presets, figuring out why they made that and mm-hmm. like what they, like, what do you think their thought process was when they added that preset to the pack? Right. Um, so yeah, I would yeah. say for the most part, just sticking to what you know and love and finding inspiration from other people, but not seeing a photo that a photographer took in like Morocco, because obviously it's going to be beautiful. Like, yeah, you, you know, you don't want to change your whole style just because you saw one photo, which yeah. I definitely struggled with a lot in the beginning. And I think yes. once you like get over that hurdle of like, I love their work because they're an amazing photographer. I don't love every part of their edits. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> no, yeah, that does make sense. I feel like that's a good place to kind of wrap up that segment on presets. Um, cause you just kind of like dropped the mic right there. Like that kind <laughs> of wrapped up everything we were going <laughs> to, um, basically talk about the whole time was right there. So, um, I want to transition a little bit to, um, your brand. Um, so, if anyone doesn't follow you, like they should go and check out your Instagram and check out your website because your brand is very unique. And I feel like you've done a really great job at making your brand personal. Like it's people know who you are as Viva. Yeah. And I think that's really awesome. So for anyone that's listening and struggling doing that, um, what are some tips that you have for building a personal brand? Yeah. 
Um, I feel like it's a little bit different with um, like wedding photography and also like brand photography, which is where I'm trying to go. So like, if you go to my Instagram now, you'll see, I'm not really posting any couples on my feed, just kind of on my stories. Um, and that's because I'm just having a ton of fun on Instagram, like sharing yeah. my life a little bit more and sharing iPhone photos and stuff. So obviously my couples are getting to know me a lot more um, now that I've kind of transitioned that. Um, but before I feel like they still really knew who I was. Um, and I think that also kind of goes back to like when you're building your website and you're, you know, creating your Instagram and writing captions and stuff, finding inspiration from other people rather than copying. Like I would, um, you know, like when I would be scrolling Instagram, I would read captions that are, you know, less than three sentences. And I feel like I would scroll past captions mm -hmm. that are like five paragraphs long because I just, unless it's something really interesting, I just don't, I'm a very quick scroller. So I quickly learned like, even though people are screaming on Instagram, like you need to have long captions and you need to be asking a question. You need to be doing this. It's like, no, like you yeah. need to be doing what you love and what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously like people find great success with that because they love it and they love reading other people's and they love engaging with their people, um, or their followers and stuff. And I yeah. absolutely love engaging with my followers, but not in that kind of way. I like to, you know, share my life and follow along with other people that I love to follow. Um, and I feel like I've always just kind of been true to myself in, yeah. you know, writing, um, like my bio on my webpage and, or on my website and stuff. Um, it, it, at the beginning, it was really hard because I felt like I didn't really know who I was, if, Yeah, I guess. I mean, I knew <laughs> who I was, but I was like, I don't know how to write about myself. Like I don't, mm. I live in California and I have a dog and a husband. Like, how do I say that? And it's like, oh, you know, I live in California. I love it here. I have a husband, I have a dog. We'd love to go to In-N-Out. We love to go to the beach rather than going to, you know, somebody that you loves page and being like, oh, well, that person loves to go, you know, eat, like, I don't know, like loves to go to Dairy Queen all the time. Like, I really love to go to Dairy Queen too. And it's like, okay, but like, is that like something that you do often? So uh, that was all over the place, but I think it's <laughs> okay. like really sticking to yourself and, yeah. you know, seeing what you like that other people do, but making it your own, not especially not copying and pasting other right. people's work and, um, their webpage. I mean, that's such a huge thing. I see it all the time where photographers will share, like, you know, there's websites where you can go and see if somebody like completely copied your website. And right. it's so sad to see that not, I mean, it's sad for the person who got copied, but it's even more sad for the person who did the copying because it's like, they're not being their own true self and mm -hmm. their couples aren't hiring them. Um, they're hiring somebody else that they copied from. So, right. um, yeah, I think being yourself, texting as yourself, um, you know, emailing as yourself 110%. I always, I mean, I text all of my couples whenever we're making the timeline and stuff. I always am texting them because yeah. that's me, but I know a lot of people like to only do email and only do FaceTime and only do that. And it's like, yeah it's great to learn from other people, but be yourself. Um, right. And not only in that aspect, but in your captions and your stories and your bio and like, and if you feel like you want to show your face on your feed, then do it, but also don't feel like you absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. I 
didn't post a photo of myself on my Instagram for I don't know probably like the first like year and a half I just oh wow didn't I I don't know I was like scared I was like I don't have any photos of myself I don't really care and now that's like my whole Instagram because when I started doing it I was like this is so much fun like taking photos and going out with friends and all of that kind of stuff and um also like I think finding inspiration from people who aren't doing the same exact thing as you yeah um so I love following people that are not wedding photographers like yeah and not only like influencers but like like random, I don't like Kendall yeah. Jenner. Like that's right. the reason why I have the, the film camera that I have is because Kendall Jenner uses that one. And I'm like, right. I love her film photos. And it's like, if I would have gotten the film camera that every other photographer has, which I did, I lit- I have it, the Canon AE one. That's like what every photographer gets. And I love it. But like, I got this new one. I was like, this is so much better. And it's, yeah. you know, finding, and I found inspiration in someplace completely new. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really big on inspiration and like boards and Pinterest and all of that kind of stuff. And like seeing like what really draws me to, um, people or Instagram accounts. I yeah. don't really follow a ton of Instagram accounts, but the ones that I do, I feel like even my feed is very curated to what I love and like my reels page. I mean, yeah. everything just kind of falls into place once you really know what you love to do and it mm-hmm. takes a long time. So it's not, right. Like if somebody's listening to this and they're like making their website right now and they're like, I don't like, how do I get there? It's like, it takes time. Like you just, you know, do your own thing, find inspiration, but don't see that somebody's doing something and being successful and assume that you'll be successful if you do it the same exact way. Right. It's, it's so important to literally be you. Like, I think Basically, as like wedding photographers or just photographers in general, there's so many of us doing the same exact things. And honestly, that's kind of how it is. Like we all do the same thing. We shoot, we edit, we deliver. But it's how do you incorporate yourself into that? Because we as brands are unique to us and there's literally nobody else like us. So how are we using that uniqueness to stand out and to book the people that we want to book. Um, you mentioned something about, um, when you're scrolling, like what captions do you look at and what ones you don't do and don't read? Um, I think it's super important, like as just a little social media strategy to notice your own behaviors and note that probably other users are the same exact way that you are. So if you don't like, three sentence captions, but you also don't like five paragraphs. Um, yeah. you need to be writing two paragraph captions or like yeah. what videos do you watch and what ones do you scroll past and yeah. make sure you're not making the videos that you scroll past because, yeah. um, that, that user, um, info is important and you literally are a user. So just take note of your own, um, perform, not performances, but like your own yeah. like techniques and like what you, yeah um, do on social media and just using that as a way to figure out, um, how you can cater to your audience the best that you can. No, 110%. It's it's so crazy how much you like, you know, you can be best friends with somebody and they can be so completely different. And that's so good. Like Mm -hmm. I, like one of my best friends, Asia, we host our workshop together. We, like feel like we're the same person because we like work really well together but then we shoot together and we're like we're so different like I like she does a lot of like creative stuff 
And when we first shot together, I was like, that's so cool. Like, I want to start shooting like that. And then I tried it my next session. I was like, this is not me. Like I, I like, like laughter and literally like 90% of my session, I'm just talking to my couple and her brain just works completely differently, but we're still really good friends. And like, Mm -hmm. it's like, you would look at our work and it's like, oh, they're probably like, they probably shoot really similarly. They probably communicate with their couples. And it's like, no, like we're so different. And yeah, you know, it's good to, yeah, like see what you like in other people and not take those things, but make it your own in right ways. Like, yeah, same with captions and everything. Yeah. No, it yeah. All goes hand in, and presets, literally, it all goes hand in hand. Right. It all boils down to like who you are and what works yeah. best for you. Like, you can't. Yeah try to duplicate what someone else does. That's super funny with posing and stuff. I feel like there's like authentic poses and like authentic composition, but within that, like so many, there's so many different ways to achieve that. Um, I just did like a podcast a couple days ago about posing and it's like, there's, there's just so many different ways to get the final image. And like some people, even though they have authentic, um, images they like more like serious or like stoic yeah. authentic yeah. um so like romantic authentic and it's like or like you like giggly laughter yeah. authentic images and it's like yeah photography yeah. is just so cool because it's so creative and so widespread yeah. well and it's so it's so crazy how because like I try I love looking at like the crazy like when their backs are leaned up to each other and they're like raising yes. their hands in the sky I'm like that looks so cool. And then I like try to explain it to, I tried to explain it to a couple one time and I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. And they did it and they like died laughing because they're like, this feels so weird. And I, yeah. I, I mean, the photo of that specific pose was cool, but the after of them like laughing at each other and she was like grabbing his arms, it was so much better. I was like, this is so much more me. Like right. I, you know, I tried something uh, like that's cool, but like, I liked the after effects so much better. So right. yeah. yeah, it's, it's really cool how you can, there's so much different posing and like, mm-hmm. you know, what you share on your Instagram and everything. And it's crazy because, um, Bo and I's wedding photographer, I absolutely love our wedding photos so much. And yeah, if I went back, I would do something different just because I'm in the wedding photography world now, but it's like, our photos are like so timeless and classic because we're sitting there like smiling at the camera for like pretty much every pose. And it's like, at the time we were like, Oh yeah, that's great. And I still love them so much. And it's like, not, not very many people do that anymore, especially not photographers that I follow, but like, we loved that. And like, Mm -hmm. no matter what you do, you're going to find couples that love what you do and value what they do, you know, anyway. So no, yeah. yeah, not everyone's looking for super candid photos and that's yeah. that's okay. There's photographers out there for them. You know, yeah. s- stuff that's a little bit more posed and timeless like you're saying, that's out yeah. there and those clients can find those photographers and if yeah. they're coming to you, like tell them we're not a good fit and move yeah. on, you know. Yeah, and I have so many calls with couples that are like that too though. They'll be like, "Talk to me about your posing. Like, what do you do?" and I just tell them and they're like, "Okay, well like we really need help with like our like we're just super awkward. And I'm like, yeah, literally every couple says that. And sometimes they're like, okay, great. Like that sounds perfect. And other times they're like, no, we want to be like pose, like put your hand here, turn your chin this way, like all of that. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Like, sorry. Right. Like, and, yeah. but I loved it for our wedding photos, which mm-hmm. is so crazy because I'm like completely different now, but right. it's like, I wanted all those good angles and 
you know, I have weddings that I've booked from a long time ago where I tried to like mimic that, like, oh yeah, I can do that. Like, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I've done weddings like that recently and not that they hate their photos. I've never had like a couple absolutely hate their photos, but it's like, I wish you would have told me about my double chin. I'm like, no, like there's no way that I could have told you about your double chin. So it's yeah. Just like every, every photographer is so different and like finding your own place in the world Mm -hmm. and like being able to communicate that to the couples is so important. Yeah, totally. Um, we talked to like for literally a hot second about social media and I want to talk about it oh, yeah. just a little <laughs> bit more before we wrap up. Um, yeah. so first I wanted to ask, how did you get your following? Cause I know everyone has like different ways that they got their following on social media. And then yeah. what are some tips that you have for photographers who want to grow their following? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is hard just because Instagram is always changing, but it's mm-hmm. like, keep up with the trends. I personally love Instagram. I, Asia and I have like our group Romer's um, account and it's so fun because she's so good at like planning the feed and making it all like aesthetic looking. Mm-hmm. And then I love the posting part of it where like, you know, it's like engaging with all the people who comment. And I mean, I have together Asia and I have the Romer's page. I have my personal page. Um, and then I also have the preset page and Mm -hmm. my favorite part of the day is like spending the hour posting on them and like replying to comments and sharing them on my stories and all of that kind of stuff. I just, I find it so fun. So Mm -hmm. I think that that plays a huge part into my following growing and not only on my personal page, but like I started my preset page less than it. I started it last September, I think. And it already Mm -hmm. has over 10,000 followers. And like so many people are like, how, how do you have two accounts that have over 10,000 followers? It's like, because I post every single freaking day, like, because I love it. And it's so much fun. Um, so I would say for sure, that's the biggest thing is just that, that helps me grow my following is that I genuinely loved it because you find success in things that you love. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't see Instagram as much as like a, oh, I have to post today, but that's, I think it just plays a huge part into my personal personality. I'm an Enneagram seven. So I love like, you know, interacting with other people and like seeing the positive sides of things. And I see Instagram as that, like just a huge positive that I've made literally all of my best friends from. Um, So it's hard because I know not everybody is like that. Yeah. All, pretty much all of my friends hate Instagram. Um, and if you do, I <laughs> might be like one of the only people who say this, but it's like outsource it. Like if you yeah. don't enjoy doing something, like I don't enjoy blogging, I outsource it. Instagram yeah. can be the same. So like, for example, one of my friends, she has, um, an assistant who does her social media. So she spends a month planning out all of her posts. Um, and she writes all the captions for them so that it is authentic to her. And then her assistant is the one who posts them and replies to comments and engages with people. And that's not a bad thing. Like, it's yeah. just like people outsource their editing, their emails, like you run a business. Why would you run a business if you're not doing things that you absolutely love? So mm-hmm. outsource them. Like your yeah. time is so much more worth uh, you, you're worth your t- how's that what's that saying your time is more worth than like money or okay. I don't know how yeah I know like, what you're saying yeah, yeah like, I don't know how that goes either yeah um but that 
you know, if you're not finding success in doing Instagram yourself, hire somebody. And like, if you want to grow your following, I mean, I don't encourage people to reply to those people where it's like, you can buy followers for a thousand dollars. Like that's probably not authentic, but you know, hiring people in a way where people understand your voice and Mm -hmm. can comment back for you and reply to stories and post your stories and that kind of stuff, you're going to find success in things that you love otherwise. And also Instagram, I mean, so many people say, you know, following doesn't matter. Following doesn't, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. I kind of disagree. I think that my following has gotten me so many more opportunities than I would have like I wouldn't have had without my following and I'm really, really grateful, but I also, there's a healthy balance between, you know, realizing that my following has created opportunities for me and realizing that my following is not everything, you know, because some people get so sucked into the numbers, um, which I for sure was like before I hit 10 K, I was like, I just need to be at 10 K. I just need to be at 10 K. And now I'm at like, 40k and I'm like if I could just get to 50 if I could just get to 50 and it's like like I need to be happy with where I am and work on like things like especially because I've stopped posting couples and um I have lost so many followers for it like I consistently lose like Uh you know probably like 50 followers a day but then I gain 50 followers a day so it's just like I'm just like constantly like staying like I was looking at my analytics yesterday and for the last week I've gained one follower every single day because I've lost like 30 followers, but gained 30 followers or 31 followers. So, and so I just have to, and at first it really bummed me out. I was so upset. I was like, people hate me. Like I'm posting myself. Like, what if they think I'm ugly? Like all of these things. It's like, no, like they, all my account has ever been as couples. Mm -hmm. And that's, totally okay that people are unfollowing me because I do the same when I'm following somebody and they switch it up or, you know, it's so bad, but like they have a kid and now like they're always posting their kids. I don't really care anymore. I'm sorry. And I unfollow them. And it's like, people are doing the same with me and that's 100% okay. If you lose followers, if you're not gaining followers or whatever, because you only want people to follow you that genuinely love to follow you. So it's, it's a hard balance. And I, it, it is really, really hard because, you know, you, so many people with Instagram, they see the number, like Instagram tried to take away likes and it didn't happen. It's mm-hmm. like, it's so hard not to compare yourself, but it's like, if it's really like bumming you out that hard, but you still want to grow outsource it. And it's like, right. if it's bumming you out so much and you're like, I don't even care anymore get on Pinterest, get like market yourself somewhere else, join Facebook groups, get on the knot, like get on. There's so many other platforms besides Instagram. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have 10,000 followers on Instagram to be successful at all. But if you, you know, if that is a big goal for you, like do know that it's like worth the time and effort because I'm not going to sit here and say that my followers haven't created opportunity for me. Like so many people do because it has created a ton of opportunity for me and I'm so grateful, but I've worked really hard by posting every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was all over the place and hopefully that all of that came out, like (laughs) that all came from like a really hard place of love, but I get nervous saying things like that because I feel like that's completely different than what so many people say. So it's no, it's, that came from a good place. It's true. Yeah. 
Um, we, we do not doubt your intentions. I think that was, <laughs> some people need to hear that. Um, having a larger following, like you said, does open up more opportunities. Um, it also does give you more credibility. Um, yeah. you know, there's a reason that 10,000 or for you, 40,000 people are following you, um, yeah. because you create really valuable content and, um, you know, what you're creating, 40,000 people want to see it. Um, yeah. but, at the same time, if you have a hundred followers, um, that's okay too, because all 100 of those followers still want to see your content. Um, and like, I think a lot of people will sit on Instagram and, um, they kind of just whine, like, why isn't Instagram working for me? Like I'm so upset with Instagram, but they aren't willing to put the work in. And by work, I'm talking about posting every day, posting reels every day, posting 10 stories a day, um, and really, really working on having engaging, um, captions, engaging stories, interactive stories. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like all of that stuff is what's going to give you value on your page. So, um, yeah, just got to put in the work. Yeah. Well, and it's so crazy with, I mean, everybody's posting like Instagram algorithm is changing and this sucks, which it totally does suck for photographers who aren't posting video, but it's like, you're a creative, like Mm -hmm. find creative ways to turn your photos into videos and make it fun and entertaining for people to follow. I, Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this year, I was listening to a podcast. It was like right after the new year. And this guy gained like 90,000 followers in like 20 days from reels. He was like, Mm -hmm. I decided one day, like reels was a new feature. So I posted a reel a day for like 60 days and he gained in the first 20 days gained like 90,000 followers. So I was like, Frank, I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to post a reel a day for 30 days. And I didn't gain like 60,000 followers, but I did gain, like, I think it was like 4,000 or 5,000 followers in that month. And my engagement went sky high and Mm -hmm. it was a lot of work, but it was so much fun. And I mean, everybody loves to be liked, like, you know, when you're getting a lot of likes and you're getting a lot of views, it's so fun and encouraging. And Mm -hmm. I just started it again, except like completely different content. Because when I did that, I was gearing a lot towards photographers and like, you know, posting Instagram tips and Lightroom tips and all of that kind of stuff. And now I'm just posting like life stuff. Mm -hmm. and it's it's so fun to like just post what you love and it's the same thing like finding inspiration from other people and not taking it but it's like you know what do you love to watch what do you love to see do that and make it your own and you'll find success in it because if you do what you love then you find success (laughs) as long as you keep it up so yeah yeah. totally okay I like that (laughs) sorry Um, that was no, <laughs> literally reels are so huge, um, right now as of July, 2021. Um, so if yeah. anyone's listening to this and wants just, oh yeah, I was like, why did you say that? Oh yeah. July, 2021, yeah. because like, that's the day that, you know, we're recording yeah. this. Um, but yeah, if anyone's listening, just know that reels are very big and they can help you grow. If you are struggling yeah. with growth, um, it's going to just push you to a whole new audience that your regular feed posts don't reach. Yeah. Um, you know, it's well, a difference. This, yeah. The difference the between talk too. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, literally for you guys listening, we got on the zoom call and I was like, what the, I know you from TikTok. Like, oh, yeah. I know her face from TikTok and I, it's yeah. It's TikTok reels. I mean, it's all the same. 
they're so valuable right yes. now. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. You you reach an entire audience that you normally don't reach on Instagram with just a normal feed post. Like yeah, Instagram and TikTok pushes it to a group of people who don't follow you. And yeah. right right now on social media, that's a new thing to be pushed yeah. to people who don't follow you. Like on Instagram, it was the explore page, but it was yeah. like you would have to get really lucky to be put on yeah. the explore page. Yeah. So yeah, growth is huge right now. So definitely take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do a lot of reels? Oh yes, girl. All yeah. the time. What, what's your most viewed reel or how many views does it have? I think 3.9 million or 4 million. Hell yeah, girl. What? Uh, it's so crazy. Bad. It's funny because all of my reels that go viral on TikTok are most likely going to go viral on Instagram as well. Yeah. Um, That's but so awesome. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I, my biggest reel, it's nothing like that. I think it's like a hundred thousand, but I remember mm-hmm when it, it went from like 12,000 to like a hundred thousand in one day. Yeah. And I remember in that one day I got like 2000 followers and that's like very small. Like yeah. you're like, if a reel can go viral just as quick as a TikTok can, I just haven't had any super viral ones, but I mean, mm-hmm. literally like, this is like a prime example is like, I had no idea who you were until mm-hmm. TikTok. And then right. I was like, Oh, she's a photographer. Like Right. I wonder if she's on Instagram and you know, yeah. obviously she is. Do you feel like you've gotten a lot of followers from TikTok to Instagram or from um, yeah. like new followers from TikTok? Yeah, I think Instagram so. A lot of people, her. yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people say that they either find me on TikTok and then follow me on Instagram or find me on Instagram and then follow me on TikTok. Yeah. Um, what I like about TikTok is I can actually say in my bio, like follow me on Instagram. Um, oh, or yeah. on TikTok, I can say like, I share more tips on my Instagram or something like that to yeah. get people over to my Instagram because I do feel like my Instagram right now has the most valuable, valuable content. Right. Like, um, yeah. but yeah, I definitely think that the followers translate over. Um, yeah. there's, I, someone just asked me this question during a mentor session. They were like, how did you get your followers from TikTok to Instagram? And, I was, that was a good question. Cause I was like, I don't actually know how I did that. But, um, yeah. I think people just naturally, as they feel connected to you, they yeah. just want to follow you everywhere. I'm the same yeah. way. Like I 100% am. Yeah. yeah. Like if I follow someone on TikTok for long enough, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to commit to them. That's I'm going to am. Instagram. Yeah. 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 I literally, I have to see them on my for you page a couple times and then I'll like go to their profile and then I'm like, okay, I'll give you a follow. And then I follow them. And then I'm on there for a long time. And I'm like, all right, what's your Instagram? And right. then after that, I'm like, all right, what's your YouTube? Like, <laughs> Once you like create a base on somewhere, then mm-hmm. it, it literally translates all over the place. It's, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and so that's, awesome. it's so important too to just make sure you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket when it comes to social yeah. media. So trying out Pinterest, trying out Instagram, yeah. TikTok, Facebook, um, all of those areas are completely different audiences. So yeah. if you can get an audience on one of those platforms, you can translate over to other platforms and it's just more ways that people can find you. Yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. So awesome. 
cool. I love it. Yes, me too. Ah! So um, I feel like this, okay, first of all, this episode was like so good. You shared so much good Dude, stuff. I'm so stoked for it. This is, <laughs> I've like been on quite a few, not quite a few. I've been on like five podcasts, but this was by far like the most fun one. <laughs> Yay. Um, before we completely just wrap up and say like, peace out. Um, tell everyone like what you're up to, like what's coming up. I know you said branding a little bit, but like just yeah. what's coming up and then where everyone can find you and follow you. Okay. Yeah. So what's coming up, um, Asia and I are hosting our first workshop next week. So that Ooh. is on Sunday through Thursday. So we're going to be posting all the like behind the scenes and everything on mm-hmm. our retreat page, which by the way, kind of back to social media, that page does not have many followers. And I still enjoy posting on it all the time. It has like yeah. 2000 or something. So just, you know, a little thing we post on there all the time. It's very like a very cute feed, very aesthetically mm-hmm. pleasing. So that's just at Romer's workshop on Instagram. Um, and then what else is coming up? I have yeah, a lot of brand shoots. I'm in like the thick of wedding season. So I have a million weddings for the rest of the yep. year, but they're really fun. I post all the behind the scenes on my stories. So I have, you know, a couple weddings in Hawaii and Cabo. Um, oh, shut up. You're else? so cool. I, I'm so stoked for them. So if you want to see those behind the scenes, I post all of that on my um, personal page, which is just at Viva Vals. Um, So I post those usually on my stories. And then my feed is just like, fun California vibes, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm just having fun. I post iPhone photos, film photos. And like I said, I'm trying to post, um, a reel a day. So those are literally just like, usually like fun TikTok trends that I see that I want to remake. So, Mm -hmm. um, that, and then yeah, my priest, I have like a million different accounts. So I have my preset account, which is all the before and afters, which I think are just so satisfying, like swiping through before and afters. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, and then, um, my TikTok is pretty trash. It's <laughs> like all of my, basically anything that I wouldn't post on Instagram, I post on TikTok because okay. my dad follows me on there. That's um, amazing. <laughs> so terrible. But, um, yeah, I should, I, I'm, I'm going to start once my life slows down a little bit from weddings, I'll probably dive into TikTok a little yes, bit more, but I, mean, I think my username on there is just Viva Vals. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also have a YouTube channel that I started like two months ago. So that's very casual, Mm. just like behind the scenes of my life. I'm trying to do like weekly vlogs. Um, So just day to day, like California lifestyle. I, like I said, at the beginning of this, I'm very blessed to live here and I'm like forever just so stoked on life. And I just wanted to share that with people. So if you like California vibes and acai (laughs) and beach days and like, hanging out with my girlfriends. Um, yeah, that's my YouTube. It's just Viva Vals. Okay. You know, I have a very unique name, so all usernames are always available. Right. I was just thinking that I was like, wow, she probably gets all the good usernames. Yeah. Yeah. I literally, it's so great because yeah, my usernames are taken. So yes. yeah, cool. that's what's to come. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, anyone that's listening, I'm linking all of our stuff in the description of this episode too. So if you hey. feel like you need to try to like, look it up, like no worries, <laughs> I'll just link it. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on and thank you everyone for listening. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity, the wisdom rushing in.
so much clearer.